Hey, babes and bows. I'm Hannah. And I'm Heidi. And you're listening to the BBs Podcast. Welcome to the first episode in our exciting new mini series that is all about money. (laughs) (laughs) Financial literacy is something that we both wish we learned more about in school. And so to pay it forward, we wanted to use our platform as a way to share our knowledge and our experiences on finances, saving money, budgeting, all that good stuff. So let's get into it. For our first episode in our money mini series, it's all about impulsive shopping behaviors and spending money in general. Hannah, how would you describe your previous spending habits before you had this mindset of building wealth? It's a work in progress still. I'm trying to adopt (laughs) that wealth building mindset, but sometimes, you know, I slip. Um, So before I even knew about this building wealth concept, uh, I'd probably say this is like around college time. I was kind of broke, so I didn't even consider the possibility of being able to build well because I was working at like my part-time job doing research for a professor and I was getting paid like $13 an hour. So I was really just trying to get by and cover my expenses and pay for groceries. And I was really reluctant to treat myself to expensive meals and trips because I had very little like discretionary spending income. But after graduating and getting some more consistent cash flows, I started to randomly treat myself to these like 50 to $100. $100 was a lot to me. I mean, it kind of still is, but I'd take myself on these like little shopping trips if I was feeling impulsive or emotional or stressed out. And because I would shop online, I would reason with myself that if I didn't like something, I could just send it back. So I wasn't, I was more focused on acquiring things versus saving my money and building wealth. I was really materialistic and I still kind of am. What about you? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I resonate with the discretionary income part because I think from a shopping perspective, when we started to make money or have a steady flow of income on a biweekly basis, I was more willing to purchase expensive items or like expensive clothes if the quality was there. And so that was always my reasoning of I want like a new bag or like new pair of jeans and I'm going to just buy the best quality ones because I know it's an investment, even though sometimes I didn't really need it. So Mm -hmm. likewise, I think I was also like maybe flushing out the older, I don't want to say gunk that I had, but maybe refreshing my closet to a more um, adult or like less high school college vibe. Like purging Um, every forever 21 yeah (laughs) I did that or like the Zara clothes that you were like wait that was kind of expensive but it's not that cute now Mm -hmm. um yeah but I think the switch of thinking money as a tool and as wealth instead of just trying to reach certain dollar amount milestones in my savings account didn't happen until I paid off all my debt so like my student loans and car loans um because when I was in that repayment mode for my loans I felt that the dollars that I quote saved never felt like my own money because I knew that I was still in debt. So technically I was at like a negative balance. Like I was, wasn't at net zero. Um, but afterwards when I did 
reach to that baseline, I was able to then put different hats on my dollar amounts to other possibilities and diversify my income. Hence looking at spending it differently because I wanted to spend my money on my 401k or spend it on exploring stocks, even though I'm still an amateur at the stock market. So I think it's interesting how we have like different mindsets when we have different saving and spending goals. I feel you there. I I'm still paying off my car loan. I don't know how you're able to pay yours off so fast, but it's like every biweekly paycheck that comes in, I already know that like, okay, certain amount has to go to my car. And when I was paying for rent, um, mm. it's like, okay, certain amount has to go there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you talked a little bit about how when you started getting those bi-weekly paychecks after graduating hey. and getting that job, getting that money, mm -hmm. you started to feel like you could spend a little bit more here and there buying like the nicer quality stuff versus fast fashion. So I want to talk about that piece. Um, and there's actually a, a term, a phrase that we use to describe this feeling of like wanting to spend more when we up our um, pay level and mm -hmm. it's called lifestyle creep. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a technical phrase for it. So Heidi, I want to ask you how exactly your shopping habits changed once you started to get more money. And I know you touched on this briefly yeah. um, just now, but talk to me about it more. Yeah, girl, I'll talk to you about it. This is an interesting question because I can't help but factor in inflation. I don't want to use inflation as an excuse, but back in high school and college, it would be kind of a game for me to try to keep my eating out or going out meals under $10. But now I have to bunch, bump that budget up to $20 because after you factor in taxes and then in like San Francisco, there's like another, another tax mm -hmm. that they, they um, get you. It's like more than $15, 80% of the time. And that's even if you eat at Chipotle. <laughs> so it's, it's hard not to also up your budget because that's, I mean, that's, what everything else in society is doing, but I definitely have become more okay with like ordering appetizers or dessert after my meal. When I usually would just order an entree and ensure that that would fill me up. I think this also goes hand in hand with acknowledging that I am comfortable prioritizing or spending my money on things that I love. So for me, I love eating at restaurants and like the whole dining out experience is what I'm willing to splurge on. And so in those instances, I will. And I also think as I've gotten older, I like to view money flowing in and out as a game almost. I'll try to compete with my previous month self to see if I was able to save more or be more articulate with where my money is going and being more acknowledgeable, not, not acknowledgeable, being more knowledgeable about that. How about you, Hannah? Before I comment on how lifestyle creep affected me, I want to go back to that little game you're playing with like the <laughs> money going in, going out. And I just wanted to share an observation that I had recently, which is that um, everything's nothing is going to be better than like the situation we're in right now. Mm. Right. Because we we have very little expenses right now. So I'm like in full money saving mode. And mm -hmm. I had this thought that like if I do want to move out and like start my life kind of. <laughs> I have to make some sacrifices there. And I'm like, ugh, that's going to suck. It's going to be a transitional period. I was also thinking that recently too, like, and like for the both of us, we're so fortunate to have family or parents that mm -hmm. are happy to have us at home and are 
willing to cook meals for us or like the other day, my dad, yeah, Mm. my dad went to go help me get my car service. And like back when we were in LA, we had to do that shit ourselves. So do we have the same dad? My dad took my car to get service too, like two weeks ago. Yeah, I just feel very grateful and like, yeah. wow, we have it too good right now. I need know. to cherish it. I know. I'm like counting down the days before they kick me out. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, for me, lifestyle creep, I think the first time I ever experienced that was when I was working an internship mm. um, the summer between my senior year and mm. This is like the first time I had more than like a thousand dollars coming in every yeah. other week. And I was like, I, I literally had never had that much money in my entire life. And I remember I went a little bit, I wouldn't say crazy, but I was willing to eat out. I was, I said yes to a lot of hangouts and I was like, yeah. yes, I'll get dinner with you. Yes. Let's go get drinks. Like I was eating out at least two to three times a week, which is like that's a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, So that was like the first time I, I saw my spending go up as a direct result of getting more money. And I also remember I went out and bought like an expensive, to me it was expensive, it was like $60, expensive perfume. I'd never bought myself something like that before. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like that lifestyle creep just got a little bit more creepier after yeah. I got my full-time job and they paid me a little bit more than what I was getting at my internship. So um You know, I was still allocating the money and the rent, the money for rent and also like paying off my car loan, but I got loose with online shopping and buying coffee on my breaks. I I never did that before and I don't do that anymore now. I love making coffee at home, but I was just Mm -hmm. spending on autopilot at times, you know, and I ended up blaming how expensive LA was and LA was expensive, but I think I was at that point looking for excuses for why I wasn't able to save as much as I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And one other incident that stands out in my mind um, as like a prime example of lifestyle creep, I was at the LAX airport and I was about to go fly somewhere Uh and I was bored and I didn't want to watch TV. And I, before I got to the airport, I was like, Hannah, you should bring like a book or something. But I was like, nah, I don't want to bring a book. And I got to the airport. I'm like, I really wish I'd brought that book. So I just, <laughs> I went and I bought a book at one of those like airport stores. You did not. I did. It was like probably 10, 15% more expensive than it would have been if I bought it at like a bookstore. But I just oh, did it because I was like, I can, I have the money, so I'm going to do it. You oh, know? So wow, I've actually done this like three times now. I, I don't know why I'm like this. I guess I think of it as like books are an investment because like they're, I don't know, it's not like clothes or something like that. Like you can, you can keep a book forever. There's like, there's knowledge in that book. I'm buying knowledge. So, okay. It's not a good excuse. You're laughing at me now, but you know, oh. the lifestyle creep, it got a little bit bad, but we're no. scaling it back now. It's just funny to me because see, like knowing your habits now, Hannah, like I can, I could never imagine you doing that. Really? I did it in last July after our company boot camp. As I was flying back to Colorado, I bought a book at the airport because I was like, I don't want to watch TV or go on my phone. I want to read. I mean, shit, that's, if that's what you that's what fills you with joy. You buy that book. I mean, Girl, I never finished reading that book. <laughs> I still have yet to get through that book, but thank oh you. Oh my goodness. Dang. Okay, Del. I feel like this is a good 
transition to then what do you struggle with when it comes to impulsive shopping and spending I feel like you already gave some examples but talk yeah. to me a bit okay okay well, when it comes to impulse shopping and like, I feel like when I think shopping, I almost always relate it to clothes, accessories, like mm -hmm. fashion, apparel related stuff. So that's kind mm -hmm. of what I'm going to talk mindset. about. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think scrolling on social media is really mm -hmm. um, kind of like a trigger for me because I see all these aesthetic girls with their like cute outfits, their cute apartments. Um, and I'm like, wow, it's... <laughs> I want to be like them, like just looking at them and their lifestyle, it just makes me want to spend. Um, mm -hmm. And another thing that I struggle with when it comes to impulse shopping is seeing sales. So mm -hmm. like Black Friday or Cyber Monday or any time of the year when there's a lot of big markdowns mm -hmm. is a dangerous time because I know the sales are so enticing and they just get me to spend on stuff that I don't even need. And I just mm -hmm. want to buy because it's cheap. Oh, so many good points. Okay, two two points here. Plus one to everything. I'm going to plus one first to scrolling on social media and seeing influencers. This is so, so relevant. <laughs> and I've actually realized that I've stopped watching YouTubers. And I think it's due to just like the subliminal messaging that I get. And I know that I feel influenced by what they're doing and wearing. I mean, mm -hmm. I used to watch lifestyle YouTubers on a weekly basis, like religiously, but I've, I haven't done that in a long time, well, either due to we've just gotten busier, but I, it just didn't come across my mind anymore. And also about sales and seasonal shopping weekends or events like Black Friday, I think maybe part of why we feel enticed to spend is also because of the FOMO we're feeling. But more than half the time, we don't even need the product in the first place. And that's the same with store promotions when they say, if you spend $50, then you get an extra discount. Or if you online shop online shop, and they say, if you spend $75, then you'll get free sh shipping. Like, yes, you'll save more at checkout total-wise from like the amount of clothes you buy. But at the end of the day, you're spending more than you plan to. So... Mm -hmm. I feel like you still lost them. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, you're that's so true. Like if you're if you went into a store, online store and you only wanted to buy $10 worth of merchandise, but they're like, "Oh, spend 50 and get free shipping." And you yeah. spend 50, like you <laughs> spent 40. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, you spent 52 with ta or 54 with tax, but you yeah. spent 40 more dollars just to save like a 5, five to $7 shipping fee. Yeah. <laughs> I do this all the time. Same. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous, but they yeah. kick you. And it's a good tactic. <laughs> yeah, no. It, yeah. And and going back to the sales thing, mm -hmm. like feeling FOMO when you don't engage in the shopping, it's almost like, um, like you mentioned, like a scarcity thing too. Mm -hmm. When they say like, oh, the sale is only one day only if you don't participate. Once like, a year. Yeah. It's, listen, it's, it's not. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really not. Because oftentimes I see a lot of stores where, where they'll be like, Oh, everything is like 50% off. Mm -hmm. Like this never happens. But then they also have like other promotions at different times of the year, which basically give you the same deal. They'll do something like, oh, spend a hundred, get $50 off. Like, yeah, that's, that's the same thing. Or what I've noticed is they'll actually hike up the original price. 
Yes. And then they'll say 50% off. Like, bitch, that sweater is still over $30. That is not a sale to me. <laughs> if the original price was hiked twice as much. Yeah, that's so true. Aritzia does this. Mm. They'll give you like a $7 discount, like off a $200 item. (laughs) Thanks for that 3% Aritzia. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. But uh, going back to my original point about scrolling on social media, I want to point out another consequence of looking at these influencers or models or just editorial fashion Instagrams. Mm -hmm. I feel like when I would look at those Instagram accounts, I would get this feeling that like my fashion game is so weak compared to these girls. Like I want to look cool. I want to look like I just stepped off a runway. So I would start shopping for like ridiculous statement pieces that don't mesh well with my existing closet. And I just want to do it because I'm like, I need a cool like statement yeah statement piece or like pattern blazer like this girl but it's expensive and it's Uh not very it's not you it's not me yeah it's not me and it it doesn't match with other things in my (laughs) existing closet so my goal for myself right now going forward is to not buy patterns i'm like only Mm -hmm. buying solid colors right now and basics yeah and if you think about this is maybe a little too economic-y but like the the utilization level of that mm-hmm. said statement piece, you probably only wear it once a year, maybe twice a year if you really plan it out. So then it's not worth it. But plus one, again, them influencers really be influencing hard. I'm guilty of doing the same in high school and college, but ever since I adopted the mindset of, do I see myself wearing this when I'm 30? I think it's helped a lot with my impulsive shopping or my trap of trying to look cool. But I did buy these orange platform Crocs that I shared with Hannah weeks ago. They're hella extra, but sometimes (laughs) statement pieces just attract you and you can't help it. (laughs) Honestly, Crocs are kind of timeless. Like I see you wearing those Crocs into your thirties with the, (laughs) what do you call them? The little charms that you put in the holes. Gibbets. (laughs) with your uh, little avocado gibbets. So cute. But yeah, what you said about the economics of clothing is so true. Like there's actually people who will literally calculate cost per wear. Like if I buy a hundred dollar jacket, like how many times have I worn it? Basically how much did it cost every time for me to wear it? it. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of looking at things because sometimes you buy really expensive stuff. Like for me, like I bought some ski gear, like for (gasps) skiing and stuff. That stuff is so expensive and I don't wear it that much. So I'm like, Uh my cost per wear is like $200 (laughs) or sorry, 150 per wear, like something insane like that. Oh my God. Wait, when did you buy these, the skiing gear or apparel? Um, Like last year when I went skiing for my birthday two times. Well, that that just means you have to go back again. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Sometimes those things are an investment because you can keep it forever. Right. And you don't need to buy a lot of different sets of that kind of gear. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. So pivoting now, I want to talk about our relationship with money. So Heidi, as you were growing up, how did you view money? What kind of relationship did you have with it? I think growing up where money was always a topic of discussion at home, I've developed the natural tendency to save and not spend, or I have a really hard time spending money in some aspects. And I read this on one of Morning Brew's money scoop segments. So for those of you who don't know what Morning Brew is, it's essentially daily email newsletters. 
and they go into different topics such as money management or emerging technology. So in their Money Scoop newsletter, they talked about how at the root of someone who was holding onto their money and not spending it is a fear that they're not going to be able to get this money back and they have a fear of being in survival mode. And I felt like she was calling me out <laughs> because I think that's me and that still continues to be me. And I don't know if that will ever shift. Maybe the fear will de-minimize, but I just hope to be more comfortable being maybe just emotionally neutral when I do make purchasing decisions because most of the time, it's just a feeling and not reality of our financial situation. So when I do make bigger purchases, like for example, when I bought my iPhone two years ago, almost two years ago, I like paid it in full and I just, it took me so long to be like, okay, Heidi, it's like, it's fine. Like you like saved for you, like just paid in full and like, it'll be fine. But I think that's where I want to be more emotionally stable. What you said was a really interesting perspective about like being in survival mode. Mm. Um, and like when you have big ticket items that you need to spend money on, I feel the same way sometimes. I'm like with my car, that mm. was, that's the most expensive thing I've ever bought in yeah. like the past couple years. And it hurts almost to have <laughs> to does. like take the money out and <laughs> Yeah, so I, I definitely resonate with what you said there. Um, for me, my relationship with money was largely influenced by how I was raised. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with a more frugal mindset in some areas. So I wouldn't say that we were like frugal or always trying to save money no matter what. But when we didn't need to spend money, we mm -hmm. chose not to. But the areas um, or things that you know, if you spent more money, you could get more value from it. My mm -hmm. family was willing to spend there. So an example I have is like, say buying drinks or um, water at restaurants or vending machines, like a can of Coke at a restaurant or a bottle of Coke would be at least $2 mm -hmm. at a vending machine or restaurant, probably more now with inflation, but you can get a 12 pack at Costco for like $8, definitely less than $10. So the cost per can much lower than $2. Right. So that's an area where we would like, I never spent money on that growing up. My parents Dang. never bought extra. Yeah. Cause it's like the value of that soft drink is not worth the money that. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a, a difference in the cost versus value. But on the flip side, if this was something like investing in a car or buying a, a safe, reliable car, this is somewhere where they were willing to spend a little bit money because it meant more reliable, maybe better miles per gallon. And most mm -hmm. importantly, it was safer in mm -hmm. their eyes. So I think that's kind of led me to have um, just two ways of thinking about my spending, like areas where it's, it's straight up a luxury, like yep. getting coffee every day or like getting an Uber to go yep. half a mile <laughs> versus areas where it's really worth it. Like, paying a little bit more money to stay in a nicer, to live in a nicer neighborhood or buying something that's going to last a long time versus just fall apart. Yeah. This actually made me think about when I was younger and would go to the movies with friends, they would always buy snacks before watching a movie, but mm -hmm. that was never 
how I grew up, we, we never got popcorn, never got like Sour Patch Kids or like Sour Patch of Watermelon Candy because it, like you said, the the value and the cost is not equal. And it's like, yeah, bro, like, dude, I could just eat a bigger dinner and then like hold me over until the movie's done rather than spending like 10 bucks on gr- help super greasy popcorn that I probably won't even finish, <laughs> but I'm just yeah. doing it because it's a luxury. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do recognize that what I just said completely goes against what I said earlier about me buying <laughs> books at the airport, but I promise that's like a one-off occasion. <laughs> we all have those moments. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So then Hannah, when was, what was your wake up call that your impulsive shopping was a problem? Are you a mm. shopaholic? <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of, I am. I think when I realized it was a problem is when I started feeling ashamed about it. Like I would start sneaking packages into the house so that either my parents or my roommates wouldn't see and be like, what did you buy now? Um, kind of embarrassing to admit, but it's a real, real life thing that happened. And I also started to notice that I was using shopping to fill this void. And I was mm-hmm. never satisfied with what I bought. At least I wasn't satisfied for a long time. So I would get into these cycles where I would shop and then I get it in the mail and I get really happy when I opened it and I liked the item that I bought. But then within a couple of days, the void was back and I'm like, I want to go out and buy more stuff to like match it with this new thing I got without Mm. actually looking at my existing closet or existing things that I already had and being like, yeah, this is enough for me. So is this always chasing for this feeling of like, completeness and never being satisfied with where I was. Yeah. Girl, you getting deep because I just feel like as humans, we are never content or satisfied mm-hmm. ever. Yes. We could, we could go to a whole a whole different segment on that. But I totally know what you mean. And that's so funny how you had to sneak packages into the house. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It happens. (laughs) I think the shopping problem that I have or had is whenever I go back to the motherland, I always felt the need to buy new office supplies, such as mechanical pencils, pens, pencil cases, whiteout, little trinkets, such as hair clips, hair ties, hand mirrors. I mean, the list goes on. And even though I only really need one set of mechanical pencil and lead, I buy like 10 because of, again, that scarcity mindset. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know when I'll come back or if one breaks, I will need a backup. But this was brought to my attention whenever I did a deep clean of my room because I always had so much junk to throw out or donate. And you think your items would lessen after each deep clean, but I realized that I was still trying to throw stuff out after each deep clean. So I knew that I had a problem of maybe hoarding. Mm. Um, So maybe that hoarding mindset also connects to the scarcity perspective because you fear that you won't have it in the future again. I think you're absolutely right. My, uh, I'm going to call my mom out here. So I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, but so I wouldn't say she's a hoarder, but she likes Mm -hmm. to hold on to things because she's has this mindset that like, if I ever need this in the future, I have it, but I'm like, girl, you haven't used this for like 15 years. Like, (laughs) what are you waiting for? (laughs) That one moment 
five years from now when you're going to need this one particular thing. Um, but yeah, I think it does come from that scarcity perspective. Like you never know when you're going to need something. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to comment on what you said about doing a deep clean of your room and just like finding so much stuff. My room at home right now is like pretty packed to the brim of <laughs> full of stuff. Same. So like when I moved to LA and I couldn't bring everything with me and I had like a half empty closet and like empty drawers, my mentality was like, I need to fill it all up. I, I have yeah. room to store stuff. So I'm going to go buy stuff to store it up. And yeah. that really bit me in the butt when I moved back home because I had like all this crap from my time in LA plus all the crap that I didn't bring to bring. LA yeah. and I just put it all together I'm just like oh, I'm so overwhelmed like <laughs> seven different shampoo bottles like so many body lotions oh oh my goodness I girl I resonate with that I still have suitcases of just clothes that I need to mm. go through I why Dude, if you think about if I can just sell all these clothes, like how much money you would make, it just scares you like how ridiculous we are because we do not need all of those clothes to fill up the closet. And honestly, we don't really need a full closet. We don't need the concept of a closet. But anyways, so then what are some ways you try to control your impulsive purchases? Hmm, that's a good question. I got some tips. I got some, mm-hmm. I got some tips I can share with y'all. My first way that I like to try to control any sort of emotional spending or impulsive purchases is to unsubscribe from all those marketing emails. So you won't be tempted when they start sending you these like promotions or sales, or sometimes they'll send you coupons and you'll be like, oh, I need to use the coupon. So I got to go spend $70 so I can say, save $5 from this coupon. Like, no, none of that. I also like to uninstall the shopping apps for my phone. So I'm not, I, I don't have it easily accessible for when I'm like waiting around or on the train or watching TV to just scroll and shop on my phone. And I also try not to save my credit card information on my computer. Um, It just makes it too easy at that point to just click and buy and click and buy. Um, Those are some of the tactics that I like to use to control impulsive shopping. One other one that I think is really useful is to write down a wish list of things that you do want to buy and shop for them slowly instead of going on like one gigantic shopping spree to find everything on the list. So this is a way that you can try to spread out your purchases over like six months or a year rather than doing one huge haul. And another benefit that I've seen of writing out a wish list and shopping slowly is that you'll realize which items you really truly needed and wanted and which ones are just trendy things that you just wanted in the moment. So if I were to look back at some of the lists that I've made throughout the years, I'd say like a third of the things on those lists that I didn't end up buying, I'm really glad I didn't because it was just like a trendy item that I don't even like anymore. Absolutely. And I spit some gems out there. Plus one, going off of the, one of the best ways to control your spending habits is to take your time and go slow. As Hannah mentioned, when you just put items in your online shopping cart, you can still get that sense of thrill, but not touching your wallet. Mm -hmm. So then you can give yourself 24 to 48 hours to think, because I kid you not, 
I've made some silly Amazon purchases when I'm on the toilet in the morning, you know, (laughs) getting ready for work, scrolling on the phone. I see someone wearing something or using something. I hop right over to Amazon and I buy that shit right then and there. (laughs) One click. When I never needed it until I saw someone use it. So did I really need it or want it in the first place? Not really. And I think another strategy or mind trick that I like to do is if you've ever had a part-time job before, like working in retail or whatever it is, I like to calculate how many hours I have to stand servicing customers to buy a clothing item or a pair of shoes or whatever you want to buy. And if it takes me a full ass work shift to buy a new sweater, and if I don't think it's worth it, then now we put that sweater back because money is so hard to earn. And I feel like when we have these full-time jobs, we, well, I, I won't speak for you, Hannah, but I feel sometimes I forget that not everyone has like discretionary income and some people do live paycheck to paycheck. And when I just like spend it so freely, it almost makes me feel like, damn, like that could have been someone else's meal, like, or that could have been someone's like bus ride to their work. So it, I don't know, it just kind of humbles yourself and it makes you rethink some of your wants. That's so true, Heidi. And um, I, I like that mind trick that you said about thinking about how long it takes to do like a minimum wage job and equating that to the item. I also think that's a really great tactic for combating lifestyle creep. Cause mm-hmm. like, if you compare our hourly wage now compared to like when we were in high school or working part-time jobs, we make a lot more now. So I feel like we're almost entitled to spend more cause we're like, okay, this sweater is only an hour of my work now. But mm-hmm. back then it would have been like four hours <laughs> of work as an 18 year old Heidi or 18 year old Hannah. So yeah. thinking about it in terms of like minimum wage or like where you started is a good way to not let your new income level dictate your new shopping habits. Yeah, because here's the thing, like knock on wood, but anyone can lose their job any day. So why, it's almost like, why set yourself up for failure <laughs> or like mm-hmm. potential damage when you really didn't need to live that way? Um, and honestly, then it's just for show. Like, who are you trying yeah. to prove? Like there, no one cares. Might be yeah. do p- people care, but this um, <laughs> also bleeds into the art of minimalism. I like to think of another trick tip is when I like to think of when I'm traveling somewhere, I can only fit so much in a suitcase. So why the hell do I need five or more different types of jeans, which I do, and it's a big yikes, or like 10 different types of shirts when I can only pack my most favorite items whenever I need to shrink my closet down into a luggage. And it's most likely indicative of all the excess that I have. Plus one to minimalism. Like nothing is more humbling than uh, either packing for a trip or moving through suitcases and filling like three carry-ons, not carry-on, check-in suitcases and seeing how much junk you still have left to pack. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, that really puts into perspective like just how many things we own. And then once you start to calculate like how much you spend on each item, like that was a $30 shirt. That was a $50 pair of jeans. It's like, that's like hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of clothes or shoes or accessories or plates, or I don't even know. It's expensive, Mm -hmm. but I love what you said about minimalism. And that's something that I've been trying to 
embrace more myself. I am a, I'd say I'm like not a minimalist, definitely not. I'm also not a maximalist, but I would lean more towards that side. Like I like to have more rather than less. Um, but in my effort to be more minimalistic, I would recommend that you also try shopping in your own closet. Mm -hmm. So like dig up everything you have in there, all the stuff that fell to the back that you maybe haven't you you haven't looked at for like seven years. You'll be surprised to see how much stuff you actually have that you didn't even notice. You might even have something on your wish list that you can find in your closet. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And same thing goes for things like skincare or makeup. I don't wear as much makeup, but I do. I am a skincare junkie. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really guilty. Oh my God, not even. I, I got some stress-induced breakouts right now, but it's okay. Um, but like when it comes to skincare, I feel really tempted to buy and try out all these new skincare items, especially when they have, you know, marketing or not marketing campaigns that, yeah, mm -hmm. when the influencers influence me to buy new skincare but right now i'm really just focusing on what i can finish right now before going out and buying more because um i have like four different moisturizers right now that i'm trying to use up and i don't need that many i just need one and i promise you your skin will thank you for keeping a more consistent routine and your bathroom space will be much less cluttered oh my goodness that's so funny i before i forget i want to touch on when you said like after filling up three luggages of junk and you still have so much junk, mm -hmm. it made me think about our footprint on our planet. Like mm. sustain sustainable sustainability wise, we are hurting this goddamn planet and like contributing to fast fashion practices, bad supply chain and labor practices. Like Ooh, all of that money could have gone to to like nonprofits helping the earth, but we're spending it on another pair of jeans or like, it just, yeah. it makes me so mad for like how, like, I guess it goes back to the hoarding mindset. Like we feel the need to have it all in case of something happening in case that we lose what we have now. But I also think that going back to <laughs> the comment about your mom, Hannah, mm -hmm. I think it's also because our parents are immigrants and yeah. from their perspective, they once, I don't want to say lost everything, but made, like a lot of immigrants do, but they had to give up everything to come to this country. So to them, that emotional connection of giving up something is really hard for them to detach from, which is why I think like, even my mom, like, I think she's doing a better job, but we'll just have all this stuff that we don't need. And I feel like our shoulders will be so much lighter <laughs> if we see less in front of us, have less in front of us. And this is a very tragic thought, but just think about how much less work you'll give your loved ones or family members when you pass away and they don't really have to like mm -hmm. clear out your room. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it, it's gonna be a, a task with this house. <laughs> I mean, knock on wood. Knock on um, wood. But it's yeah, no. I've weirdly enough, I've had that exact same thought where I'm like, if I'm gone, like <laughs> who's gonna clean? Who's gonna deal with this mess that I've left behind? I mean, hopefully you'll be donated to charity or somebody charity. who needs it. But it's gonna be a headache for whoever has to deal with it. <laughs> I know it's yeah, it's interesting to think about. But okay, going back to your closet tip, I love that one. And I hey. second that because 
I love shopping within my own closet too. Almost always whenever I try to play dress up with my clothes, like sometimes when I'm bored, I'll just like, Hmm, let me just put on different outfits in the mirror and I'll just feel myself and I'll discover old items. And usually I'll feel re-inspired and I feel like I have new clothes to wear again, even Mm -hmm. though I just forgot about them. So it's fun. (laughs) Feels, feels your boredom too. If you, yeah. And like, if you think about the clothes that you reach for on a daily basis, I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, but I wear the same, like five sweaters, the same pants. And that's like probably 3% of all the clothes I wear. So I'm like everything that I'm not wearing maybe I should reach for those or like look at what I already have rather than going shopping and buying more. To our ladies and gents that would like to have a better relationship with spending money, we hope that this episode provided new perspectives for you to think about your habits so that we can be smarter about our purchases and grow wealth together. We hope everyone is having a good month so far. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, babies.